He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. Welcome into the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Taylor Williams is with me today. I am Sam Humphreys, and we will be with you for about the next hour talking about our experiences today at Southern Hills. Uh, But first, uh, my first question to everybody is, does your bank offer no-hassle ATM fee refunds automatically? Quail Creek Bank does, uh, and they are located at 122nd and North May in Oklahoma City. They believe you should be able to use any ATM you'd like, Uh, And then they refund uh, those fees up to $25 per month. No questions asked. uh, No forms to complete. Nada. Nothing. Zilch. uh, Just another way to... Uh, just another way, Quail Creek Bank uh, is looking out for you. They are our newest sponsor. um, And big shout out to everybody at Quail Creek Bank. T-Dub. Thursday at the PGA Championship, T-Dub. What a scene it was on that first tee with Tiger Woods. I heard that people on 13 could hear the roars, not from Tiger's birdie on 10. Obviously, they heard those. But 13, which is pretty much as far away on the property as you can get from number one, they heard the cheer of when they announced Tiger Woods. That's pretty insane, right? And they weren't doing that for anyone else, right? I mean, we always talk about who is the needle, what moves the needle. A tiger is definitely that. It was such a great sight to see. And just the amount of crowds that were following him was really special. I went and tried to follow almost every group today. And you, you get to some groups with Tiger, and there were some holes where you just had no chance whatsoever. If you weren't six foot eight, you weren't going to see him swing. You had to plan so far ahead. You had to be at least a hole and a half ahead of each shot to be able to see him. And you had to know certain pathways to get to. There are some areas that are roped off where not that many people go where you could have some views. But I don't know, Sam. Then you look at some of the other great names that, that were out there playing this afternoon, and even their big crowds weren't anywhere close to that. So we mm-hmm. all know who people want to see. But we we know the scene was so great, Sam. But plus four today, and we saw, unfortunately, what looked like a little bit of a leg injury on some of the swings coming down. Definitely uh, disheartening to see for all the Tiger fans. Yep, and I was going to mention Tiger because the leader of the golf tournament came from that group, but it was not Tiger Woods or Jordan Spieth. It was Rory McIlroy shooting a five under in the first round. And T-Dub, he did it on the greens. Gained 3.36 shots on the greens in round one. I mean, he hit his driver and, you know, irons great too, T-Dub. But what the main thing that I saw was that he was converting on opportunities today where other guys weren't. And in a day that was pretty tough, especially in the afternoon, Rory had to take advantage this morning with a little bit better conditions, and he did. Well, you brought it up to me, Sam. I didn't realize this. You know, he didn't make a five all day. He I mean, didn't that make is, a five all day. 
no. that's damn impressive. He had, had his two bogeys actually came in his last uh, last four holes, and he he bogeyed both the par threes. That would be six and eight on the front nine, which was his back nine. But he also had three uh, three birdies in there. He actually missed a short birdie putt on the fourth hole, his thirteenth hole. Um, oh, so he did make birdie on fifteen earlier. I mentioned he actually made a run of four straight birdies on 12, 13, 14, and fifteen to be able to get him out to that lead. I think most people who, unless they started watching at the the crack of dawn, saw Rory at the top of the leaderboard, and he just kind of stayed there all day. Got all the way up to six under at one point. T-Dub, what if I asked you at the start of the day, what, or what if I told you that Rory McIlroy would gain 3.36 shots on the field in round one, and two guys actually putted better than him today? And what if I told you that it was Will Zalatoris, Willie Z, and Lucas Herbert? I, I would have said, what in the <laughs> what has happened? What is going on with, with the world we live in? And Lucas Zalatoris made a great birdie putt on his last hole, the ninth hole, and, and birdie seven as well, so birdie two out of his last three as well. He only had one five on his scorecard looking. Oh, no, I'm sorry, he had two because one of them was a par, but nevertheless, bogeyed 18 and bogeyed six. But everywhere else got off to a good start, birdied his first hole. He was actually three under through four, Sam, so that's uh, able to put, put some momentum in there. I, I'll say this. I watched Willie Z practice uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, and I thought he was going to have a decent week, but I just thought he was hitting too many fades, right? I, I feel like there's some holes out here where you need to be able to draw it, and I wasn't seeing that. But if you putt like he did today, you don't have to be able to do that because his ball striking is already so good, you don't need that little extra layer of, of shot making whenever you're that elite. So watch out for Willie Z, Sam, because I've been watching his putting stroke a little bit too. It doesn't look near as bad as what people make it out to be. So if he's able to somewhat get that under control, he has a great chance to win his first major. Yeah, you're listening to the 73rd Hole Podcast right now. Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you today. Colby Powell in the media center back at Southern Hills doing Golf Channel stuff. And T-Dub, I was back in the media center talking to Jim Traber back from back in Oklahoma City on his show. And T-Dub, I mean, I told Jim that if Will Zalatoris putts like this, he's the best player in the world to me. Very well could be. You know, he, he was in that upper echelon of guys when you when you talk about the iron players. Uh, one of them who also was one of my picks, Corey Connors, he shot a nice little plus six today. That was good. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I absolutely agree because, you know, it's always – it's kind of funny because we always talk about whenever someone uses weird putting grips, right? Oh, well, what happens mm-hmm. if it goes wrong from here? Like, what, what do you do from there? Well, what happens if he somehow figures it out? You know, like we never we never somehow bring that up because it hardly ever happens. But what if Willie Z just woke up one morning and all of a sudden learned how to make one or two more putts around? Like you said, it's going to get him so much more money and a lot more trophies. So watch out for him. And, and just to bring it up, too, it's not like he had just a, a mediocre ball striking day. He gained a 2.09 approach and .81 off the tee. So almost three strokes uh, from off the tee and approach. So he's definitely got that part going with the putter, Sam. I completely agree with with the way that, that Rory gets out to leads, not necessarily in majors because he's always chasing on those, but get out to the leads and kind of not having his best self on the weekend. Well, is he might be the favorite at this course of the tournament, Sam? Absolutely, and he is tied with Lucas Herbert, who we'll get to in a second, but it's a perfect transition to Groove It Brush. Go get your Groove It Brush because Lucas Herbert uses a Groove It Brush on his bag. And go get your Groove It Brush. It has a magnet. It magnets to the bag. It's the strongest magnet in the world. It has water inside the brush. You just give it a couple squeezes of water onto your golf club. The big bristles get the job done. Groove It Brush, it's the best brush in golf. And let's get to Lucas Herbert, who uses that Groove It Brush. 
Groove It Brush T-Dub. He shot a four under, uh, or no, he hasn't shot it yet. He's through 14 holes right now at four under par. He started on the back nine, um, and he has gained 3.45 shots on the field so far in round one. T-Dub, what can you tell me about Lucas Herbert that our listeners probably don't know? Well, he's, uh, I believe, Australian, I believe, so that's kind of the first thing coming up. Pretty long hitter, generally, when you look at everything. I'll say this, you know, very similar to Willie Z. He, he birdied three of his first five holes. So, I mean, he mm-hmm. just got out to such a big lead and has only had two bogeys since then. He bogeyed 15 and and number two out there. And one thing I'm noticing, Sam, from these leaders as opposed to some guys that are falling down, they're, they're avoiding the double bogeys. And that's something that you have to do out here because the birdies are so hard to come by. And you're not going to be able to make ten of them in a round. So you're going to more than likely you'll have a bogey here or there, but you cannot under any circumstances afford to make a double. It's going to come back and bite you in the ass so bad. So, but as far as Lucas Herbert goes, like we mentioned, he still has four holes left. So who knows, Sam? He could bogey the last four. He could birdie the last four at this point. We're not exactly sure, but uh, he's not someone who I expect to be there on Sunday. He may end up with a top 15, top 20 finish, a really good check and, and points and all that stuff. But I don't expect him in any shape or form to be a, a chance to hoist the Wanamaker. Yeah, it's pretty interesting looking at his stats on the year. He's missed his last two cuts, but those tournaments were the Zurich, which is a team event, um, and the Masters. And T-Dub, he has only, or I think only one round, yes, only one round at the Honda Classic. Um, that's the only tournament where he lost strokes on the field putting. So he's so he knows how to putt. Yeah, but, and, a, and apparently, real quick. I mean, we just heard JT on, on the news conference. Apparently, the greens of Southern Hills are bumpy and not very good. Yeah, JT just ripped Southern Hills, and we'll get to that um, here in a little bit. But uh, yeah, just to finally finish up on Lucas Herbert, um, you know, his only good finish so far this year, other than his win at the Bermuda, um, was the Arnold Palmer, where he finished seventh. Other than that, I mean, he's you know, miss, miss cut, miss cut, tied for 18th and tied for 68th. It's not like he was some hidden gem headed in here. But, yeah, let's get to that T-Dub. I don't know what these guys are necessarily complaining about late, later in the day. I think that John Rahm's group with Colin Morikawa and Scotty Scheffler, they had the bad mojo. Um, JT had the bad mojo even though he played good. I, I had the bad attitude even though he played good. He shot three under. Um, and he's like, those greens are so bumpy today is what he just said um, here on ESPN. Um, to me, I thought everything looked great as far as the course goes. Now we can get to pace of play issues. But just as far as the condition of the course, I don't think there's much to complain about. I think that these guys were you know, maybe looking for something to complain about late in the day. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And and like you said, Sam, you make a good point. At the end of the day, you never know. Things can get a little bumpy, people dragging their feet, that kind of thing. But, I mean, these greens are pretty pure. I mean, we can we can see that. And there may be one well, or two bumps. And the difference is, too, right, Sam? A green's always bumpy when your ball hits a bump and knocks it out of the way, right? Right. And they talked about it last night when Gil Hans did the redesign. I think they said that it was pushing – uh, three on the slope, right? And, and then that, that way they could get the slope bigger like Perry Maxwell had it, but it kind of compromises green speed a little bit. So late in the day, the greens could be a little slower. I I mean, when I, I've been up close to those greens, they don't look bumpy from, I mean, I haven't putted on them, obviously, but they don't look like it, right? Well, generally, as a, a player, you can tell if a green's not going to roll very true, right? And and there's a difference. It, like if JT's comparing it to Augusta's greens, yeah, probably, but... 
I mean, that's just... It's that's, no Chambers Bay or Torrey Pines, for that matter. I, and I'll say this, too. If there's more, more than just JT, if there's multiple players, it seemed like Rom was kind of complaining about it. He didn't really say anything in news conference, from what I understand. He was bitching about it on the course, though. You could see him after he missed a putt, you know, doing what he does, shaking his head, throwing his arms in the air. Just everything in the world's not his fault, you know, because he has so much confidence. Sam. Absolutely. There's something to be said about bad group mojo. I'm sure you've had it many times where just... One guy starts throwing a fit. By the way, John Rom before the round today, I saw him walking up to the first tee, and I don't want to speculate, but I did see someone in his camp holding a club with the same grips as John Rom, and the club was bent. Really? And that was heading to the first tee. So that's just something I saw as he was heading up towards the first tee. I just happened to walk by him. Um, kind of by the clubhouse there. Uh, so John Rom went through this whole round just having a piss poor attitude, and he kind of had a piss poor attitude in the press conference the other day. It, he's just been a little testy, and it kind of bled over into Colin Morikawa and into Scotty Scheffler. We kind of saw Scotty Scheffler bitching about some things today that we don't normally see from Scotty. Yeah, it's the bad group thing, Mojo. It's so real, but yet it's like, why does it exist? You know, it's so such a weird phenomenon. You would think that you should be able to get in your own little world and do your own thing, but it just doesn't work like that. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. playing with a guy who shoots five under, you're going to be more likely to shoot five under than if you're playing with someone who shoots 50 over, for sure. So there's so many layers to that puzzle. But, but yeah, definitely, I, I think it affected everyone. And at that point, it turns into, well, yeah, Ron probably started it, but everyone at that point is billing off of each other's negativity. They're seeing a putt miss. You hear someone say a cuss word, whatever. They say, you know, the next putt does the exact same thing. And then it's just this vicious cycle of negativity and not being able to overcome whatever may be these mental hurdles that they need to try to do to make birdies. So I completely agree with what that you said. That being so. said, um, there's one thing that I want to talk about as far as Taylor Gooch. I, I felt like the PGA should have given him probably a better pairing, being one of the highest-ranked players in the world, being a top-30 player in the world, and from Oklahoma, the only guy actually from Oklahoma, and he's paired with two no-names, and you give him the first pairing out in the afternoon, which means that he's going to play a really fast front nine, or a really fast first nine, even though he went off on the back, and then catch up to guys – T-Dub, I went out to watch TG today, and I saw him hit two full shots in 45 minutes. It was the most ridiculous pace of play that I've ever seen on the PGA Tour. There were two groups on the tee box, T-Dub, like three groups on the tee box almost. So so the two guys that TG played with, I want to make sure, I'll probably pronounce things absolutely terrible, Brandon Bingaman and uh, Rishuki Kinoshita. What, so, what is that from the PGA? He's a top 35 player in the damn world. And you, and Who you are these pair guys? Up, you pair him up with no names in the PGA on his home court, in his home state? In his home state? Are you kidding me? It's that, disrespectful. It's disrespectful. That's exactly right, T-Dub. It, it was disrespectful uh, from the PGA to pair TG up with two no names, just, just from my perspective. Hey, at least he still ended up getting it in at what, and, one and, under Well, that's what I wanted to bring up. I, I'm watching him, and he's having to wait forever on every single shot, and he's playing with two no-names. This one dude that he's playing with is taking forever, even even though, I mean, they were waiting anyways, but the, other, the dude was taking forever. If someone, if they, you know, basically if they weren't, you know, waiting on anybody, it still would have been a long round because this guy was, 
that he was playing with was annoying um, just to me. And this, <laughs> I'm just watching, right? And so this, <laughs> I haven't talked to anybody about this, but this is just me watching. But for him to start the, his first nine, he started on the back. For him to start his first nine in one over and then come back and I think he bogeyed number – or did he birdie number one, right? Birdie number one, yes. So, that which would have been his 10th hole. He played his front nine, uh, which was the back nine, with eight pars and a bogey. Eight pars and a bogey. So exactly. frustrating. That is the most frustrating nine holes for a professional golfer. And for him to get it in at under par with a two under on the front nine, his second nine – is really, really solid golf with everything going on around him. He kind of had everything against him. He's in, it, To me, I think that the early late guys had the better draw because it, it seems like tomorrow the wind's going to lie down in the afternoon a little bit. So TG is late early. He has a terrible pairing. It's really slow, and he par- makes eight pars and a bogey on the front nine, and he still gets it in red numbers. Really, really solid mental toughness round from Taylor Gooch today. And it's just goes to show the the talent that we're dealing with, Sam. And so, I mean, you look at some of the stats here as well. I mean, he's gained over a stroke in every category except for putting. He gained 1.27 off the tee, 1.15 approach, and 1.38 around the green. So, definitely some great chipping there from TG. And I, I definitely think that this isn't just a one-round run wonder any stretch like that. Because if he's able to get himself in someone contention and actually get a fairly respectable pairing for whatever the hell the PGA is deciding to do with all this BS. So, and I do think this, Sam, I'm trying to fool the, P, the uh, tee times up. I only have him for what was today. But I think he's the first group off tomorrow yes he is the first group off tomorrow so I know he should, that for ha- should sure. have some uh, i have it right here t-dub so taylor gooch will go off at seven o'clock obviously the first tea time tomorrow off of number one and that is with let's say it again brandon bingaman and rio suka kinoshita we need the old al ashback who the hell is that <laughs> dude if if we don't know who you are we cover it every single week i don't if have a clue, don't I don't know a clue who you are, are. I don't know. I don't know. What did the hell they shoot? Let's look that up. That's a good question. Brandon Bingaman, eight over. Good job, yeah. buddy. And then Kinoshita, nine over. You're going to pair Taylor Gooch. Two guys shot 17 over combined. Top 30 player in the world. And he's the only born and bred Oklahoma player in the golf tournament. And you're going to pair him with those two hack hacks. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, look at the names around these guys. You don't know any of them. Carl- what is that? For the uh, that that really upset me. Brandon Bingaman eight over, and then Kinoshita nine over. They're hacks. Got, got TG had to watch that all day. It's still shot under par. He avoided the bad, bad. If you avoid the bad group mojo, you're in form. And so he TG's did. in form. He did. He avoided the bad group mojo today. He's got to do it again we tomorrow. Do it tomorrow. It's, it's a hurt. And how about the Sony Open? He had to play with Kevin Knott three times. I, he's just gotten this bad draw of pairings, man. And so it's got to come all full, full circle at some point. You know point. what, TG? Just go win, and, you know, eventually you'll get the respect. Eventually. Hopefully. I, I thought after winning the RSM, he'd get it. And apparently not. Unbelievable. Let's go to someone else uh, that I love. Okay. Cameron Smith. Could Your be boy. leading this golf tournament, T-Dub. He had a, a really solid day, strokes gain approach. Gained 4.37 shots on the field today. He actually lost shots on the greens, but only .06. But any day that Cam Smith loses shots on the greens, it's a crazy day. But Cam Smith ends up shooting two under T-Dub, but he started on 10 
and he went bogey, and then double bogey, and then bogey, and then 16 and 17, his, you know, uh, seventh and eighth holes of his day, he makes bogey and bogey, and then he goes to the front nine, and all of a sudden he found, you know, found his form because then he goes birdie, 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 par, birdie, par, birdie. And then a bogey on eight, and so that adds up to two under. What a roller coaster from Cam Smith. It just it boggles my mind how many birdies he can just make in a round. He made seven birdies today. Seven. And the first hole I got there, I, the first hole I saw anyone play was Cam Smith on 12. He's just short of the green, freaking flubs in the damn bunker. And, and I'm like, oh, well, here he goes. He's out of the tournament. Two under, just like that. Made five birdies <laughs> on the front nine. He made five birdies in a seven-hole stretch, Sam. It's just unbelievable the amount of talent he has. But I got to say, three bogeys and a double on the nine, you know that's going to come back and bite him on the weekend just like it did at Augusta. Absolutely. Let's go to another guy uh, that we have a lot of love for on this show. That's Davis Riley. And last, I think last week, two weeks ago, I was talking about Davis Riley being rookie of the year. He comes comes to play again, uh, you know, with a bogey on one, but then goes birdie, bogey, birdie, and then with three birdies and a bogey on the back nine, it's two under 68, tied for eighth place. Uh, Davis Riley with another solid round. He's always hanging around there, right? With Davis Riley so far this year, he just hasn't really popped. So you, you look around, Sam, at at the leaderboard, right? So you have, like, Davis Riley and some different names here for, with longevity, but you got, like, Kevin Naw, uh, your boy Cam Smith, Abe Anser, Matt Kuchar, Lucas Herbert, Tom Hoagie, Zalatoris. What's the thing that all those guys have in common? They don't have a major championship. Are we going to see a first-time major, Sam? I'm starting to kind of get that vibe. We could. I, I really do think we could this week, although I'm sure that, the media center and the PGA wants a Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy battle. That would be epic. That would be epic. Also, uh, does Jay and I always find it funny because like we ripped on Phil right all for a lot for only having for not ever having a major up until two thousand four. I feel like JT gets ripped more than anyone I've seen for having one major. Right, it's like he's at the point to where it's kind of like Aaron Rodgers with the Packers. I mean, right? I think Rom gets ripped more than JT. Well, I'll say that Rom's major came more recently. That's kind of why Fair I say, I'll yeah. say that. Because JT, it's kind of ironic. He won back in 2017. I mean, that's five years ago now. Yeah. That's I mean, when that's, we didn't even know what COVID was. We didn't know what COVID was. And yeah. so, I, it's it's truly unbelievable. So, that's why I said that. And it would be epic. I, I just, I noticed that where it's like, and you even got someone like Xander on there who hasn't won a major. It's just weird. It seems like JT gets more ripped for having a major than someone like Shawflay or Cantley gets for not having one at all. What do you think of Tom Hoagie's game? Because obviously he has played quite well recently. And, you know, obviously he won at Pebble Beach. He finished second at the American Express, which was earlier this season. Um, And then he tied for 17th last week at the Byron Nelson. Now he has a couple missed cuts in there, but he has shown that he has the talent to compete with the top players in the world. But why don't we really know much about Tom Hoagie? You know, you know who Tom Hoagie reminds me of a little bit? A less, a not as good version of Jimmy Walker. Where it's like, he didn't yeah. come out on the tour, didn't come out as a young world beater, kind of had to grind it up. You really start finding your stride in your young 30s, mid-30s. Tom Hoagie's, I believe, 30, he's about to be 33 years old. And looking at the analytics, Sam, 
having by far his best iron and chipping year that he's ever had. Uh, Irons is really what's impressed. Uh, averaging .73 for the brand approach to green this year. Um, the highest he had before that was .41. So, I mean, just absolutely stellar iron play. And that that's the thing I think that's coming around. So, the comparison with Jimmy Walker, I think Hoagie's going to be around for a couple more years, but I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that we look at. A Barnhard Langer playing till he's 60. Yep, started on one today, only one bogey on his round, and that came at three, which is actually one of the easier holes on the course. Um, but he had birdies at one, five, ten, and 15 uh, for a four under 66 at, in nine, in nine, a birdie on nine as well for a four under 66, and he gained 3.25 shots approach to green. Um, that was second best next to Cam Smith today. Uh, so look out for Tom Hoagie this weekend. He's not a no-name as much as – I shouldn't say no-name, but he's not as big of an underdog as Lucas Herbert is. The guys that TG played with are no-names. Yeah. Tom, Tom Hoagie's not in that category. Exactly. Right? And neither is Lucas Herbert. Even though some people who are out there who are casuals might not know who he is. Well, and it's and I'll, I'll say this real quick too. And I love all all the golf fans. Anyone who wants to go out and watch this tournament is great. But man, some people just don't have a clue. What's they have going, no they, idea. They, they they don't know who's who. They don't know where the holes are. They don't where to know. Walk. They they don't know. They don't know where the shot's going. They don't know where the shot went. They don't. I mean, it's like I said. I, I to, love when being, to talk. When to shut up. I exactly. Yeah. The the, the courtesy things that, that are out there. So. It's just like, for me, I love being out there watching tournament. Besides the heat today, it, it's absolutely exhilarating. But some people, man, it's – I don't know how you get that much thrill out of it. But shout-out to him. And I'll, this is another point I want to make from what I saw from the viewers, Sam. There are more beers today. There were. The $18 price matrix has – It's also has, Thursday, though. I think some people's work weeks might have been done. That's what I'm thinking. Because I felt like the first three days, I thought people were actually protesting it. But at the end of the day, it was probably just because it was Monday through Wednesday and yeah. people aren't damn degenerates like most of us. <laughs> uh, what about Victor Hovland? Victor Hovland goes out and pars every hole on his front nine, adds another one um, at number one at the turn, and then birdies two and bogeys four, and then pars in. He was Mr. Par today. Um, what did you see from Victor Hovland today? Yeah, so I, I saw a little bit of Vic. He was playing a, a couple groups ahead of Tiger, so trying to scout ahead, I did. One of the times I saw him was on four, and he hit it down the damn creek on the right and had to drop, so that, that's how he ended up making that bogey. Actually, had a really good shot from down there. Thought he was going to have to hit out short, potentially make a double, end up making a bogey. But, yeah, Sam, one birdie, one bogey, and 16 pars. I mean, that's – at Southern Hills, that's really good. You but, know what's funny? But it's boring as hell. Is when I was watching Tiger, I got to see quite a bit um, of Victor Hovland, and I didn't realize he was making all those pars. Number one, because my cell phone didn't work out there. There's no cell service. And number two, there were – Literally zero. There weren't many uh, leaderboards out there, and I was kind of watching – uh, Victor from behind, so I couldn't see the sco- uh, the scoring bear, the walking bear guy. Um, so I-, I didn't really realize that he was just making par after par after par today, but it makes sense because every time um, I looked up and heard a nice little big clap, you know, and there weren't necessarily roars for Victor Hovland, but there were some big claps, right? Um, but every time I looked up in that group uh, of a little little bit of a cheer, it was Victor Hovland uh, kind of, you know, waving to the crowd. So, yeah, so Victor gained essentially two strokes approach to green today, gained almost half a stroke in around the green and putting, lost a few strokes off the tee, which is something that we don't see very often at all. So if he's able to get that 
that ironed out, that would be interesting. One thing I did, Sam, and I didn't see Victor Hovland do this, but I went after Tiger got done around that time, I went mm-hmm. down to the range to check and see, you know, what players are coming after their rounds to grind on some stuff. I saw, like, Hideki was out there. Max Homa, Spieth was out there as well. I yep. thought it was interesting that Hovland, you know, looking at the stats now, didn't hit his driver. And he could have very easily went out to the range. I just didn't see it. But you would think that he would have been out there. But that's very interesting to see how guys like to handle their post-rounds, depending on if they play It really is bad. cool. Tell the people, you made, me, you made a good point to me before the show about how doing the podcast this week – is so much different than how we do the podcast normally based on what we see on TV and analytics. This week we're going strictly off eye test for most of it, right? Uh, and, and it's just completely different. Well, yeah, so, I mean, it's generally we look at a screen to see, okay, well, who's, who's the best ball striker this week? Who's the best off the tee? Who's the best putter? And then we look at... You know, this different things like course setup. Who, who's a good fit for this place? Well, we already know that stuff. We, we've all played Southern Hills, and now we're doing the eye test, and the eye test is is different because it's not like all 150 players are all at the same place, right? So, you, right. you know, you watch one player here who looks good. Well, someone else may be doing something better on the entire other side, and you have no idea. That was one of the reasons why earlier today, whenever I was debating on how much longer I was going to stay, I left whenever I got the update on my phone that Scheffler made eagle on five. Yeah. Because it pissed me off because I'm like, I'm on the other side of the course and I didn't see this. You know, I, I, wa- <laughs> I wanted to see that, you know, so yeah. I missed something cool. So. No, that's exactly right. When I, I followed Tiger from four to nine, and I felt like, it. by the way, it was the coolest thing ever to be inside the ropes watching Tiger Woods play golf and Rory McIlroy and see those shots up close and not have to deal with the crowds. Um, So that was a really cool experience. But at the same time, as far as doing radio and this show, I felt like I was missing out on so much golf. Oh, there's so much. Because I was basically only watching Rory McIlroy, who was up there close to the lead. You see what I'm saying? And it's it's so different to compare to the last few days because, like, for example, when I'm watching a practice round – I'm generally focused on, you know, the swing, the technique, how they're practicing, how the balls react on the greens, those things. Mm-hmm. And now, and also, too, they're hitting multiple shots when you do that. And today, you're focused on one thing. That's where did where the hell did the ball end up? And right. they're only hitting one shot, and there's more people around, so you can't see it as clearly. Yep. A, a lot of times, you're going off of crowd reaction, right? It's, it's kind of like you're a player in that sense, waiting for someone to make a birdie up front, and you hear the yell. Because, like, you could, you'd see, I think it was on 13, the first drive I saw Tiger hit, where he hit it pretty much, it was kind of on the left tree line almost. It was right, because the whole dog leg's left. So it was right on that spot to where it could be good, could have got a little bounce. And so we're kind of watching it. Everyone around our ears looking like it's pretty good, but we're not sure. But you can hear once it lands the crowd up there clapping, you know, in the fairway. So then that's when you know, okay, well, the ball's in play. That's good. So something cool and something that, like I said, it's the same tournament, Sam. We were there yesterday and the last two days, but going today, now the tournament starts, it's like apples and oranges. Let's talk real quick about Tiger. And one other thing that I brought up to Jim Traber on his show today is that Tiger Woods isn't delusional, right? As far as, you know, I think he thought that he really could compete in this golf tournament. And I watched it with my own eyes, T-Dub. I watched Tiger stripe it on the range Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I really watched him stripe it on the range this morning. I thought he was going to have a great day. The thing is, his leg just isn't holding up, T-Dub. I watched it on five and number um, six, eight, uh, number nine especially, 
he fanned it right. It looked like he was wiping it and coming up and out of it and that his back looked stiff and his leg looked like it actually hurt him because he kept grimacing instantly after. It wasn't like, a oh, I hit a bad shot, I'm going to grimace. It was like instant, right? And then to watch him struggle walking up the hill, um, not not the steep hill on number nine. Just, the Darren Clark just hill. Up, yeah, right, but just in the fairway. I mean, it's uphill to the hill, right? And and just watching him walk up that fairway, T-Dub, I, I told Cameron Jordan of the Oklahoman, who I was walking with, I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he withdrew at the top of the hill. It, it wouldn't have surprised me either. I mean, the video you showed me of his swing on nine, that's what really got me. He's hurt. I mean, he hit an iron off the tee, his, his driving iron, three iron, whatever it was, and he hit it and it just immediately grabbed his lower back, uh, back glute area. You always think of the glutes not getting activated when I see that. <laughs> and that's funny. I'll, I'll say this, Sam, about Tiger. It's a damn shame because it's 99% chance, if, even if he does play, he's not going to make the cut, right? I mean, he's four over. We're going to have to see something pretty special, He'll right? He'll play. I mean, he said that he was going to go home, rehab, and get ready for tomorrow in the press conference. But to me, T-Dub, I, I just think that Tiger, and you know, like I heard so many times today, tried to push the envelope maybe a little too much or wasn't able you know, maybe to test it out. We're kind of seeing that live test on live TV of him actually going through a full competitive round. And it, it was shocking to me, T-Dub, today, the, the fact that I watched Tiger Woods and I couldn't believe that he looked worse physically today than he did at Augusta National. That is that is one of the biggest shocks of the week. And honestly, and, I did not... Especially after watching him live and in person Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I got none of those feelings. And then today it seemed like he just had a bad day physically. Like, it it wasn't mental with him. He putted fine. It was all just – he didn't look right physically. He he made numerous swings today that looked nothing like what he did these last three days. Not anywhere close. Not even on the same stratosphere. Uh, of the same, and, and this this right here is the biggest point. Or even this morning on the range, not in the same stratosphere. It's It would be interesting because I haven't watched um, the, the video replay of his round, so I haven't seen every single hole and every single shot. It'd be interesting to go back and watch each one and see if there's an indicator in there, right, of like when did his swing start hurting because it seems like at some point during the walk he got hurt, right? Yeah, and I was the kiss of death because, I mean, What's new? I started following Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I started following him on number four, um, and what did he play, the last, you know, six holes at like five over or something like that? It was that? not ideal. It, it, was, it, it wasn't very good. Let me pull up his scorecard so, real so, quick. So here's the, here's the question, Sam, because – I think people are going to get disheartened because Tiger's not going to make the cut, so they're they're thinking downly about what's going on. But here's the question I got to ask you, and because the Tulsa is getting so much impact, what's next for him after this? Is, is it just he's just going to play the U.S. Open? We're going to see this exact same thing where he looks good the first few days going into it, and then looks like shit on once the tournament starts. Yeah. By the way, he fin- he played his last six holes in three over par, but he also had bogeys on one and two, and then birdied three. So he he ends up making five bogeys on his last nine holes. Um, but what was your question real quick? What's next for Tiger? What's next for I mean, Tiger? I, mean, are, I think – Are we just at this point to where is this what we're going to get every time that Tiger tees it up for the rest of his career? I mean, selfishly, I was pushing for Tiger to play here. Initially, after Augusta, I didn't think he would based on what he said after Augusta National. And I think that Tiger probably would have been more 
um, suited to probably take this PGA off and then go play um, at the home of golf, St. Andrews, where it's very flat, and he probably could have mixed in a normal tour event, maybe maybe the Memorial or something like that, um, before St. Andrews and maybe rehabbed and rested, and maybe this week set him back a little bit. And I hate to say that. And and I and what's so weird is that I went yesterday on the show. I said he's going to contend this damn tournament, and now I'm talking about when the hell is he going to play again? But what it's I'm saying so is crazy. you're not delusional and you're not lying. Like it looked good, it really did. It looked stellar. It looked good. Am I am I just am I just supposed to have to prognosticate from here on out that Ty, he's just going to get hurt? Yeah. You know, I mean, is he like uh, who's a who's a good fantasy football player that always gets hurt? Like Julio Jones, right? Are you just supposed to, like when right. you draft him, you just assume that he's not going to play four weeks? Is that is that what you <laughs> yeah. have to do with Tiger now? Just assume that once the tournament starts, well, he's going to get hurt. Here's my deal: is Tiger will never, ever, ever win a major until he is able to play a normal tour event leading up to it. Right, and I I 100 agree, and I think a lot of that has to do with just the way that he prepares mentally, right? Yeah, and I we were kind of making excuses for it for this one because of the kind of crappy schedule leading up to this PGA in between the Masters, but Tiger needed a tournament in between there competitively, but his body is able to do that, and then when we see the tests live on TV of him trying to walk. And, and finish off a round, I mean, I think it's pretty telling that in his second nine holes on the front nine, that it was his second nine holes, he makes five bogeys T-Dub. And in every single one of those bogeys, I see something physical that caused, you know, either a bad swing or, you know, it, whether it be him getting tired and, and just limping. It, it looked, it honestly, I hate to say it, it looked, I, I felt sorry for him. It looked terrible out there today. And this is something that looking at the PGA Tour schedule that is not promising. So we had, what, six weeks between Augusta and PGA? We have one, two, three tournaments between the PGA and U.S. Open. Three. We have Charles Schwab, Memorial, Canadian Open. I'm, I'm sorry, the same week we have the live in, in London. Tiger may play that. So let's, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, let's throw that I in. That. So, I mean, what... Looking at this, Sam, from what I've seen today and looking at this upcoming schedule, we've got four weeks. I think there's a decent chance he doesn't play the U.S. Open. Truly. I don't think he does either. I, I, I really don't think he can physically. And if he's we'll play- see what he does tomorrow. I mean, tomorrow, but here's the deal, T-Dub, is, is Tiger going to keep pushing the envelope to try to win a major, even though he knows in the back of his mind, this could go really good or really bad. And like we saw at the Masters, two days it went really good and two days it went really bad. And here in the first round, it started going really bad on the back nine, on his second nine. And Yes, on Thursday too. And, And the same thing is going on right here, Sam. Between the U.S. Open and the Open Championship, we have three weeks between that. We have the Travelers, then we have the John Deere, and then we have the uh, the Scottish Open now, which is now an official tour event. So, yeah. and, 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 and when you look at that that schedule, so then we have to say, t- we saw what we saw from Tiger today where he somehow in, injured himself again. He's going to take three weeks off and then play the U.S. Open. Then he's going to take another three weeks off and then play the, the Open Championship. 
That's just too much golf for him right now, isn't it? It, it really is too much golf, and and that's what I'm saying is he needs to play more golf than that to be competitive. But the problem with the schedule right now, he, he doesn't have a chance, does he? No, he doesn't have a chance. The only tournament he could play before the I US would Open almost, is the Memorial, and that's in two weeks. I would almost rather Tiger hang it up after tomorrow. I mean, hopefully he makes the cut. I would love to see him make the cut this week, and he's only four over par. I, I say only four over par because – um, what's even par right now? Even for? par is approximately T28. Yeah, exactly. And so he can surely make that. I mean, he can definitely make a push to make the cut tomorrow, but I don't necessarily see it happening. But I would rather after Southern Hills is done and after this PGA is done, him hang it up for the rest of the year. And, and I'll say this, looking at data golf, the analytics – and it's a little bit hard for them to to try to predict what the cut line will be with a full another round. Generally, they're really good in the middle of the second round. But 41% chance that it's going to be four over. Tiger could easily shoot even tomorrow if he starts feeling better. I'm not going to count on it, but it could happen. So, you know, when I first saw the four over, I'm thinking, oh, well, Tiger, he damn sure ain't going to play, especially with the swings. So, the realm of possibility, yeah. Yeah, T-Dub, what do you think about the course? We talked a little bit about it. Um I didn't necessarily see the pace of play issues early in the day. I think uh, Tiger's group played in a little over five hours and 15 minutes or so. It, based on my clock, I, I don't know. It might have been a little bit longer than that. But the, uh, the pace of play issue that I wanted to talk about was number six. And I saw no issue when Tiger's group went, went through number six. As in, as in number six T or like number six green and seven T? Well, all of it put together, how long it takes and number the group three on as well. num- it, how long it takes the group on number six T to play number six. It didn't take very long. I mean, it, but it might have been one of those situations where they just kind of got lucky that there was no group on three T and uh, no group backed up on seven T. Like because I'm not sure what exactly caused the problem for Taylor Gooch um, on five T when I watched him earlier. But he had to wait for about 45 minutes later in the day. So I'm sure that number six had something to do with that. Yeah, and so, like you said, Sam, I haven't seen the official number track, right, on how fast the round was. But I'll say this. I made a point to go look at each of those tees for the exact same reason you just mentioned, to see if – because I thought this was going to be the biggest storyline at the end of the week, and I was going to really hate that. But I watch it, and, like, for example, I watch on 13T, right, and – it was really weird because I can't remember who was playing in front of Cam Smith, but after he had hit his bunker shot onto the green, Cam just had, had to wait for whoever was on the tee to, to hit. And it's like, I don't remember, I can't think of very many opportunities ever where someone has to wait to walk up to the green to mark their ball for another tee shot. That's not a par three to come in. It's just totally bizarre to me. And the first first few groups, excuse me, that I saw there, it seemed like it was going to be a huge pace of play issue. Yeah, and in front of Hovland, Zalatoris, and Cam Smith were uh, Terrell Hatton and Max Homa. Max Homa, was, we, need to talk, we need to talk about that. And Denny McCarthy, um, who uh, filled in for Bryson DeChambeau. Um, by the way, let's let's talk about Homa real quick since he just came up. He had a roller coaster of the day. He got it to three under at one point. Um, but Max Homa ends up shooting, what did he shoot? One over on the day and, and even even par on the day. It went back to one over at one point during the day. Sorry, I you by did. the way, it's weird covering a golf tournament while going out there and watching it and then coming back in here 
and not necessarily watching it all on TV. Oh, absolutely. And then, like you mentioned, Sam, we're out there on the course. They don't have that many leaderboards, and our damn phones don't get service. We don't know the leaderboard. We don't know who's going not up. Not only is our phone not loading, like, you couldn't even make calls out there. Oh, I mean, it's... There was zero bars. The like, infamous cell hell It is yeah. the definition of it. Yeah, and the funny part about that is later in the day, I could load stuff perfectly, like, on Safari because... Everyone left so, after So Tiger. that's what it has to do with, right, is the amount of people. Because earlier in the week, I didn't have that much problem at all. There's the, there's a the few areas at Southern where you're so low, right, in, in the geographical region that... No, but it all had to do with everybody following Tiger, Rory, and Spieth. Oh, there was no signal coming in there at all. And it was so funny. And it's slightly frustrating from a viewer's perspective that every single person, whenever they want to uh, film a player... They have to stick their arms up over the people, right? Yeah. So then it's like instead of having to look over someone's head, you have to look over their like they're boxing someone out. And it's like, dude, you know, let's all just mutually agree to lower our hand down to about head high <laughs> and then just make the viewership great for everyone. So yeah. I don't know. That that that's been my my complaint with the fans the the first day, Sam. By the way, walking inside the ropes today, you kind of a little bit get a glimpse and, and when I say inside the ropes. If people have never been to, like, a major or something, I'm, like, one foot inside the ropes, right? Like, I, I just get to basically, you know, be in front of everybody. You weren't talking with fans. You weren't talking with I'm Joey and Tiger. walking down the fairway, right? <laughs> and, yeah. but, but you do kind of get a glimpse a little bit into what Tiger Woods sees. And T-Dub, I mean, it's so much that you almost don't even see it. Like, it, it, it's so many people that, like, you don't see actual faces. Oh, yeah, it's just like a like an opera scene or like OU football stadium, right? I mean, and, you know, you see so many people out there, and you like, – Obviously, when something happens, you hear the noise from it. Yeah, you, you almost it, – it almost turns fans from, like, an actual person into just, like, a thing. Like, it's a fan over there. Like, you, you know what I mean? Because, like, it's just, like, a group of people, like – I don't know how to explain it. It's it's crazy. It's just it's this is what puts it in perspective for me thinking about it because you brought up earlier when JT won it was pre-COVID. Well, think about this: Tiger had played in front of huge crowds since what 1997. So we're that's yep. over 20 years that he's had to play. So he doesn't know how to play without people out there watching him. Then all yep. of a sudden we had the COVID time come up where there's no fans. He probably didn't know what the hell to do with himself. And now he's getting back into the groove of. He's playing in front of all these people. Well, now he plays four times a year now, maybe three times. So yeah. that's one of the reasons that he does it. Thank God it was in Oklahoma, one of the places we got to. But, but yeah, Sam, I, I just I think that that's one of the reasons why we're where we're at. Yeah, and it was interesting to me because I was distracted just watching Tiger by some of the things that the crowd does. Right? Not not necessarily that they're doing anything bad. Just it's distracting. Right? I don't know how these guys you know, go out there and shoot five under like Rory did with those type of crowds. It's it's honestly just something that those guys have that not many people let, have. Let me ask you, since you were more inside the ropes than I was, you have a better perspective. So, you know how always people say, obviously you have to aim at a target to hit it, right? Yeah. So, when you have the people lining the fairway like that, does it create like a field goal sense to where – like, man, I'm going to have to hit a really, really bad shot to hit someone here, and so it actually makes you aim straighter? Um, or, or, I guess, kind of narrow your miss window? I mean, I wasn't playing number one, so maybe. But to me, having more fans is almost 
less nerve wracking than having like 30 people following you because then you kind of know who those people are, right? I mean, you could have the most famous person in the world like Michael Jordan in that crowd back there and you're going to have no idea. But if Michael Jordan's following your group and you're Joel Damon, you're going to know. You know what I mean? Like, Instantly. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's one of those well, weird things. But as far as the – yes, it, it, it looks completely different from, like, when we used to qualify out at Southern Hills, right? I mean – Just a little bit. The fairways look bigger with the fans to me. And that uh, – and that's what you need out there because those fairways are not very wide either. So, I mean, definitely I think that once you get into – the threat of competition, because we talk about this all the time, Sam, it doesn't necessarily have to do with the like crowd being loud, right? It has to do with when they get loud. Because like you see people in the Ryder Cup and stuff like pump the crowd up before they hit. Well, that's not a problem because they're used to it. It's when you get to the top of the damn backswing and someone yells and then does it. So if Tiger has those people out there, and generally they're really quiet, so hey, that's not a problem. But I will say that the Oklahoma fans did a great job today of being respectful um, of the group ahead, like not sprinting up there and, and annoying the group ahead. A, a couple times I, I kind of just watch for it because it's notorious for the group ahead of Tiger kind of gets screwed, right, with all the commotion going on. Um, I think part of it might be that Victor Hovland was in that group and people wanted to watch him too. Um, but I, I didn't see much of, you know, being – unnecessarily distracting towards the group ahead. Have you heard any mashed potatoes or any weird things like that? Yeah, you hear all sorts of weird stuff, by the way, when you're inside the ropes. Like, when Tiger hit the shot right on number seven, uh, I heard that Tiger walked right in front of me, and I heard this guy goes, I'm so proud of you, Tiger. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you hear so much weird stuff. Like, (laughs) it's so weird. (laughs) Uh, What hole do you say that? On number seven, when Tiger walked out of the crowd, and Tiger, the, it, it's literally the guy on the corner, if there's a video of it, he just goes, I'm so proud of you, Tiger. <laughs> it, it, it's so funny, that is dude. so damn random. I know. It, it's it's wild. <laughs> I wonder if Tiger heard him, what he would he, say to that. Dude, he doesn't hear that stuff anymore. That's what I'm saying is I'm distracted by stuff like that, but those guys aren't. Here's a, here's a question, uh, and I want your opinion on this. Do you think Tiger legit doesn't hear those things, or do you think he actually hears them and just blocks them out? I think sometimes so well? he might hear them and act like he doesn't hear them, but I think the majority of the time he doesn't actually hear anything. I mean, because you you know that I haven't heard anything specifically, but you know there's just so many random like stupid things sent out there. Like there yeah. was there was the meme of the guy wearing the the mugshot Tiger shirt, you know, and Tiger walking by him and laughing. This was like a year and a half ago or whatever. So you know, you you hear those random things, and you think the inside some of them got to make him laugh. Yeah, right? like and there's certain things with a big crowd like that that like Jordan Spieth had to deal with today. Like when he missed a putt on number eight, some guy yells "Boomer!" You know, yeah. like like they stuff that would then piss you off fans, a little bit, man. right? Yeah, <laughs> damn OU so, fans, get off the course. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was just a wild experience watching it. It's. And unfortunately, like we said, Sam, I think we're only going to get it for one more day. We, we were talking about this earlier. So Tiger played early today. So we were watching the end of this coverage here, and there's like no one out there. I mean, zero there, people th- out there. Zero people because it's so hot. People got exhausted. There'll be people Tiger. out there watching Tiger all day tomorrow. So it's going to be very, very, it's very just busy. like the media center. Like what I told you, it, the you know contestant interview area that I was talking about. 
There was like 100 people for Tiger Woods, and there was like four people for Colin Morikawa. Now, Colin Morikawa right now is a lot better player than Tiger Woods is. But here's the deal. He doesn't move the needle. He's not, he's not the needle, as we say about Tiger Woods. No, not anywhere close. No one is, really. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing for me, Sam. Obviously, the weekend comes and the leaders start to steal the show, but... Once Tiger's gone, I'll be interested to see who the crowd... If Tiger's gone, I'm not going to say when. If Tiger's gone, I want to see who the crowd uh, pulls to, and especially in the early Saturday, Sunday mornings, to see if maybe there's some local guys around there they like. But, uh, I mean, there's going to have to be people go somewhere. It's a law of averages because 95% of people are watching Tiger today. By the way, we mentioned that Justin Thomas was bitching about the greens being very, very, very bumpy, as he said. Um, but he had a really solid round today. I mean, he made a birdie at number one. He made a birdie at number five, um, and then he goes bogey-bogey at eight and nine, but then birdies 10, birdies 15, and birdies 18 to end the day. But T-Dub, heck of a round from Justin Thomas, and I think that that will be the storyline headed into tomorrow is can Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas put themselves in a position to have kind of, you know, their own little... Um, you know, famous do or famous battle, right? Duel, right? Could you imagine if we got one of those, like a uh, the duel in the sun, the seventy-seven match at Turnberry, uh, Jack and and your boy Tom Watson. Mm-hmm. Also, Sam, before I, I want to read one clip here from JT, then I got to ask you a question before I forget. Okay. So Colby mentioned that JT had said that he had hated his range session so much this week that he stopped thinking about his swing last night, Wednesday night, and focused on just hitting shots. And that makes sense because I watched JT for two days in a row hit it like ass on the range. I mean, it was bad. <laughs> and I'm thinking, there's no way this guy's going to contend in the tournament. That's interesting because you brought that up, and I'm like, was it really that bad, or was T-Dub just kind of embellishing a little bit? I, apparently, it was pretty bad. It was, <laughs> and you know what's funny? I saw the same thing from Kepka. And you know what? Kepka shot like eight over today or whatever it was. So, a yeah. little bit of a trend there. But here's the question i got to ask you. Like, our man Alan, Sh- Alan Shipnuck, with a great interview. For anyone who hadn't listened to that, go check it out. He threw a shot at your man Tom Watson during, during the uh, banquet. I didn't ask you about it. How, how did that make you feel, Sam? I mean, I mean, you defend Watson left and right on our show. He's like your favorite man. How did it feel to hear just a public blast like that? No, I didn't catch the shot because I was so worried about getting Taylor Gooch to the banquet. So what happened? <laughs> I can't even remember what he said. It was something along the lines of, you know, Watson used to do this or whatever, and everyone laughed at it. I mean, like, it was funny. It was talking about – I can't remember if it was a jerk or that he hit a bad shot or something like that. But nevertheless, whatever he said, I just immediately looked at you, and I, I could tell you didn't hear it because you would have given some, like, smug look. Like, no, hell no, dude. Tom Watson's the best. Tom Watson is the, nap, is the absolute man. Well, I, now – I mean, how can you not like Tom Watson? He's the chairman. He He, he is – one of the most likable golfers of all time. I mean, how can you not like a guy that was not only good in his 20s, good in his 30s, good in his 40s, good in his 50s, almost 60, and freaking Stuart Sink had to make that putt. Otherwise, it would have been the greatest moment in golf history. I would put a 59-year-old winning a major over Tiger Woods in 2019. What's funny, too, about this, and I just put these two together, I'm not necessarily saying the success is there yet, but I see a lot of similarities between Tom Watson and your boy Cam Smith. I could see that a little bit. I mean, obviously, they're, they're one's American, the other's Australian, but I don't know, they, they have a similar demeanor to me when they walk, a similar swag, I guess, would yeah. be the way to phrase it. I, I kind of see that, and and they both have exceptional short games. Yeah, definitely, and and 
really good iron players, as yeah. we've seen. I mean, Cam Smith leads Same kind of build. Yeah. And I'll say this. I think Cam's a perfect fit for open championships. My brain just did something weird. It just envisioned Tom Watson with Cam Smith's mullet. <laughs> Could <laughs> you that, imagine that? That would be badass. That would be pretty cool. I, I'm trying to find what did Brooks Kepka end up today. By the way, um, Matt Wolf shot, finished the day at six over par. Gosh dang it. Um but he gained 2.9 shots putting on the day. But around the greens, um, he lost 3.23 shots. Um, not a great day there from uh, Matthew Wolf. Where is Kepka? Kepka shot scrolling. five over. He went five over. He went bogey par, bogey bogey par 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 bogey bogey. Solid four over on the front. Then he bogeyed 14. So in 14 holes, Sam, he had six bogeys, no birdies. Ended up birdieing. 15 to get it back to five over for the tournament, tied with the likes of Billy Horschel and Lee Westwood. So, I mean, not the only one who played bad this course, Sam. And look, scrolling down here, your boy Patrick Cantlay, six over. Uh, Corey Connor, six over. You already mentioned Matt Wolf. Um, I saw a lot of people uh, were following Ian Poulter earlier for whatever reason. He shot six over. That was good. I brought this up to you, Sam. I need to figure out where he finished at. You said he played good, and I didn't see it. So I've been out there three and a half, four days now, whatever it is. He shot one under, by the way, the guy I'm about to mention. Only one person has almost hit me with a golf ball all week. And it was Patrick damn Reed, of all people, <laughs> almost killed me with a golf ball. And he shot one under for the tournament. It's like, can someone I like for, hit a ball close day, to me? For the day, for the day. Well, yeah, well, sorry. yeah, I guess for the tournament so far. <laughs> That's but, a good point, yeah. yeah. The tournament's not over yet. Yep. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the guys tied at two over pretty pretty interesting, T-Dub. We have Colin Morikawa, Hideki Matsuyama, Jordan Speed, Bubba Watson, and John Daly. Daly. What did you see from Daly today? He was rolling. He was rolling, T-Dub, not just on the scorecard, but he was driving his golf cart around Southern Hills, and he had it rolling there for a while. Um, on his front nine, he birdies one, birdies five, so he's two under on the day, then bogeys eight, but birdies ten, and then he had an unfortunate ending to his day made bogeys at 14, 16, 17, and 18. Um, and then he declined to talk to the media. I bet he headed straight to Hard Rock. Uh, it, how, what kind of bet could you get on this, Sam? In the, after the first round, Daly would be beating Rom, Louie, DJ, Berger, Sergio, my boy C-Bezel, um, Cantley, <laughs> who we just mentioned. I mean, Johnny Vegas, just listen to the Tiger, Brian Harmon. Cameron Champ, just all these guys that Daly's beating. <laughs> truly damn unbelievable. And I'd love to see it. I truly do. What if Daly makes the cut? When's the last time he played the weekend in a major? I don't know. Forever. That's a good question. It has to be forever. I'm not going to count on him to make the cut because he can shoot 80 at any moment. But that would be so epic if we got him on the weekend. Absolutely. Um, other guys to look out for. Um, Aaron Wise, he shot one under. I saw a few of his shots. He was striping it today. Tony Finau uh, is in that tied for 16th at one under. Uh, Webb Simpson, Patton Kazire. Your boy Joaquin Neiman is two under, tied for eighth. What did you see from your boy Joaquin Neiman today? Joaquin Neiman is just an absolute walking stripe show. He uh, he <laughs> played later in the afternoon, so I saw a few of his first holes. I believe he was actually one over at the time that I was seeing him. He birdied number seven, get it back to even, then made a few more birdies coming in as well. So he kind of got off to a little bit of a slower start than I would have anticipated, but was able to bid it back around. But, yeah, it's just he's been one of those guys, Sam, that – 
I was always a little high on. I was always high on him anyway. But after this week, I've grown even even more on him just because the, just the ball striking and the 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 control of the ball is, is what gets me so much. It's like I said, he's not he's not like the Bryson or the Matt Wolf. Where also, by the way, I watch I watched Wolf a little bit earlier in the week, but I watched him a good amount today before his rain session. He hits the ball so high. I mean, it's just he hits un- it really really high, but then he hits the occasional like toe duck hook left right. Yes, yeah, and that that's always in play, especially when you got to move like that. So, just wanted to throw that out there. And I said, Sam, just looking at this at this leaderboard here, you already mentioned Joaquin Neiman. I think there's a lot of big names. We haven't mentioned Xander yet. Xander shot two under. Yes, he a did. lot of a lot of guys picked this week. So that's we haven't be good mentioned Abe Answer somehow. Abe Answer three under. How the hell we we went this whole damn show without mentioning him? Kuchar's three under. Um, someone who has completely flown under the radar at two under par, been playing good golf. Matthew Fitzpatrick. Yeah, another guy who has not have a major championship. It would not shock me one bit if he won. I wouldn't necessarily be thrilled. I but think it wouldn't it, shock me. A, a few of the shorter hitters went under the radar this week because we talked about how much more length Southern Hills has, um, and we were talking about guys that you know are great ball strikers on this show. I know that Live From was talking about you know the top guys around the greens. One name they missed in the top guys around the greens is Matthew Fitzpatrick. Absolutely, and he's he's right there at two under. I expect him to be there come come Sunday afternoon. Like I said, I'm not going to be extremely thrilled if he wins, but wouldn't surprise me. Other names around there at one under. Tony Fina one under is looking good. Thomas Peterson, I mentioned, he's playing pretty good golf too, so he's looking in a very strong position to make the cut. Once again, not a guy that I expect to hoist the trophy, but a, a very good value play, especially at this time of the of the, uh, the event. What if I told you Sunday evening at about 8.30 p.m. that Matt Kuchar has one major? <laughs> I would I would say, once again, we're in the damn parallel universe that I talk about. But it would, but at, at the end of the day, it could happen. Very easily could. Matt, but this is not the course I would have picked Matt Kuchar to win on. Though. Yeah, I know. He's so far off the radar, but he had a heck of a day today. Um, he made a birdie at one, but a bogey at two and four. Um, but then birdies nine, 13, 15, and 16 for his 67 at three under par right now, T-Dub. He's right there in the middle of this golf tournament, and we might have a chance to see Matt Kuchar in contention this week. Well, what makes this so so great, Sam, is that none of these guys around that top leaderboard are going to get out and run away with it, right? I don't I don't expect to see a 62-and-a-half like we saw from Tiger uh, the last Friday this, this tournament was contested at Southern. So don't expect that to happen. So I think that pretty much tomorrow any of those guys that are a at par better, they're just going to have to play hold steady because if they're if you're even par better going into the weekend, you're going to have a chance to win more than likely. So I think that's going to be the thing of just making sure you hold your confidence, hold your demeanor, knowing that there's at this point 54 more holes left of the tournament and anything can happen at Southern Hills, Sam. Yeah, T-Dub, as far as the weather forecast looks for uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we have 86 degrees as the high tomorrow. Um, it's going to be very windy in the morning and during the day. Um, but the wind could die down uh, later in the evening. And then we have the cold front and maybe a little rain coming through. High of 73 on Saturday, and on Sunday, high of 67. That sounds amazing 
after the hot and humid weather we've had today, it wasn't the greatest golf watching weather of all time. I was baking out there, Tito. I was too. I had to had to make an appearance. I said, you know, I, I got to get to a TV because <laughs> I, I've got to see more shots and I need to cool off here. So I've seen all I needed to from Tiger. Very disheartening there. But yeah, it's, it's going to get better as the week goes along. After I watched Tiger Woods, I walked up the hill um, up towards the number one tee box and I saw Chris Goddard up up there uh, right by the clubhouse and he goes, you look gas <laughs> and I go I am I, I just walked up the Darren Clark Hill right yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you made it. I've had to make that walk way mean to may, way too many times this week and my calves are definitely feeling it oh the calves are definitely feeling it but um, it should be an interesting weekend T-Dub um, as far as tomorrow what are you expecting to see and who might make a move that we aren't necessarily talking about yet yeah, similar to what I mentioned earlier, Sam, where I, I just I don't think that anyone's going to be able to go super low out here. So I think that you're going to have to look at the guys who are still a little bit under par. I'm going to be real hard-pressed to think that any of these guys at three, even three over, I mean, obviously the big names we mentioned like Rom and DJ and Daniel Berger, I guess they could make a run. But even them, I'm not expecting to get back in this tournament. I'm looking at guys down at the minus one range. Um, as much as we hate to say it, Sam, and I just ripped on him for almost killing me with a golf ball, Patrick Reed, man. I mean, he's already got a green jacket. Wow. I, I hate to say I hate. I literally hate to say it. <laughs> but no one's talking about him. He's one under par, like I mentioned. It's not. I, and I've watched him play a little bit this week. I, it's, he doesn't blow me away like the Sam Burns or some of these other great ball strikers. But you can tell he knows how to get the ball in the hole and do it very efficiently. So as long as... As long as we don't have some Oklahomans call him out for cheating, which very easily could happen, <laughs> um, I, I, I would be shocked if Patrick Reed wasn't somewhere in the top 10 or 15 um, within the next couple of days. The guy that I'm going to go with, T-Dub, on this question is going to surprise you. It's Cam Smith. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> I think that Cam Smith uh, got about nothing out of that round today, but he had a really solid day, gaining 4.42 shots, strokes gained approach. That's unbelievable iron play from him he's gonna putt it better he lost strokes on the field putting today he's gonna gain strokes the next three days I guarantee you and he's two under right now only three shots back of Rory McIlroy Rory needs to watch out Cam Smith is coming and it's uh, Cam's got to get a major at some point. It might be this week. It seriously might. I, I, I don't think it's going to be. I think the bogeys are going to come back to bite him. But I just at the end of the day, he's got that Tom Watson swag, man. I expect him to to be a contender at the Open Championship. Now that I'm thinking, you kind of took my last question before we wrap up the show, T Dub. Um, before we get to this last question, I do want to bring up Ring Family Dentistry. I know them personally, Doctors Phil and Brennan Ring are the absolute best in the business in Oklahoma City. If you need to get any work done on your teeth, they do same day, uh, same day orthodontics, uh, you know, clear aligner orthodontics, all that stuff. Get your teeth done at Ring Family Dentistry. Um, T Dub, the last question I want to ask you, it's a two parter. Number one, do you think the winner is a first-time major winner? You know, if I if I had to bet the mortgage on it, as we like to say on the show, Sam, I'm probably going to say that it will be someone who has won a major. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm leaning towards the Rory-JT potential showdown. But, I mean, just look at all these names around there who haven't 
Got to think Abe Answers got to win one at some point. Uh, Xander probably up there with Cantlay is the best major or the best guy not to win a major. The Huntman's pick. The Huntman's pick, absolutely. Your boy Cam I saw Smith. him playing well today, and I was just like, gosh darn it. Matthew Fitzpatrick, Joaquin Neiman. Um, I'll be honest with you, though, looking here at the guys who have uh, – Will Zalatoris, another guy that won, won a major. I was about to I mean, say, that would be the number one on my list right and, now. Well, you know what happened was I scrolled down to, like, the, the three unders, and I completely missed the guys who were closest to the lead. That's really smart there, Taylor. But, you know, looking at it here, there's not that many people besides Rory and JT who have won a major on this list. I mean, you almost got to scroll down to the uh, Webb Simpsons at one under and the, uh, and the uh, Patrick Reed. So, yeah. in all honesty, now that I'm looking at this – even though I am high on Rory and JT, I think I'm gonna have to change my pick. I think I'm. I think it's gonna be a first timer. I think it's gonna be a first timer as well. Now, my second part of that question is, what do you think the winning score will be? I'm going to go with. So it seems like, like we mentioned earlier, it's gonna get cooler on the weekend, but the wind's gonna be there too. Um, the wind will be there um, on Saturday. I, I I think it might die down on Sunday, just according to my weather app. So I will probably, I think it gets double digits. I'll go ten under. I, I it's not going to be much more than that at all, and it may not even get to double digits if they want to firm it up. By the and way, Saturday could be interesting because it, it's going to be windy tomorrow, but we could have thunderstorms on Saturday, which means that some guys could have major wind and some guys could have no wind. Yeah, exactly, and that's. Back on the Open Championship thing, that's the luck of the draw, and we yep. might see a little bit of that uh, this week at the PGA. I sure hope not, because at the end of the day, we just want whoever's playing the best golf to win. Yeah, I think I'm going to go nine under for my winning score. I, I don't think that Rory's just going to run away with it and finish at 14 under, even though he's playing so good he might. Um, but I don't see that happening. I think that you know he'll shoot a couple of even pars, whether it be the next couple days or you know Friday and Sunday. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm going to go nine under as my winning score. Um, T-Dub, what surprised you the most about today, and what are you looking forward to the most about tomorrow? I'll say the thing that shocked me the most was just the drastic difference between the viewership of the tournament because you had twice as many people, essentially, as yesterday. And kind of like we were alluded to before about the difference between practice round and actual round, it's – having to focus solely on the one shot and where it goes and trying to figure out where to go next and is it and having to listen to the crowds to know where it goes that's the thing that really shocked me the most from just viewing perspective did they sell more tickets for Thursday than they did for the practice rounds or even the weekend days because to me I everyone that I knew from Oklahoma went today that's a good question I because I, I would assume on that deal, it's, you know, how big is the course, right, to give? Because I remember I looked like two weeks ago, and every practice round was still available, and I think Thursday was, but Friday through Sunday were sold out. So I don't know. And eventually they did sell out by the time the tournament started. But I don't know exactly if that means like, hey, one day they give uh, 500 more tickets than the yeah. other, if, but if there that were, makes any sense. Like you said, there were a sea of people out there today. Um, what – surprised me the most today was just the experience of following Tiger and Rory and Speeth and and how good Rory McIlroy was hitting the ball and and the sound that you know it made when he was would hit some irons like I distinctly remember the sound at number six even though he didn't hit the great of a shot he ended up making bogey on the hole but it just sounds different when it comes off Rory McIlroy's club 
it didn't sound different when it was coming off Tiger Woods' club today. I got to be honest, it, it sounded pretty average to me. Um, but we talked about that earlier. Um, what I'm looking forward to most about tomorrow, T Dub, is how Taylor Gooch plays. And we talked about how he's playing with the two hacks and how the PGA totally disrespected uh, the best player uh, from Oklahoma. T Dub. He's sitting there at one under par. If he can weather the storm of getting the bad draw as far as the uh, late early and weather the storm of playing with the two no-name guys. 17 over. I can't get over that. 17 over between those two hacks. And a thirty top 35 player in the world. So if he can weather that storm, T-Dub, I think that he could be right in there in contention on the weekend, and that would be a heck of a story. He'd get a better group on the weekend. <laughs> I, would, I would sure hope so. I don't know. They'll probably still find a way to screw him over. But I'll, I'll say this before we close out here, Sam. I think the thing I'm looking most forward to is it's going to be similar to, like, remember this year at Augusta when Scheffler was leading by, what, four or five after the first round or second round, and we're thinking – Oh, well, there's no chance that he doesn't win this, right? And it come to be fruition. You were on your boy Cam Smith a little yeah. bit on Sunday, and he had a chance. But let's just say Rory or Zalatoris or even JT down there at three under, if they're able to go out and shoot five under tomorrow, they're going to kind of get one of those leads like Scheffler had. And the question is, though, none of those three guys I have as much confidence as I did in Scheffler with how well he's playing. Like, JT, I can find something to complain about. Rory, obviously, and Zalatoris with the putting. By the way, we haven't talked about Scheffler. He shot one over today. Um, he drove the ball uncharacteristically bad today. He lost uh, .71 shots off the tee today. Obviously, on 18, he made an unbelievable par uh, to kind of leave the course with, with not so sour of a taste in his mouth. He drove it in the creek off the tee um, and then gets it up and down for par. And, I mean, that's an unbelievable up and down. If it's anyone a, a, has ever unreal. seen 18 at Southern Hills, it's the hardest finishing hole in golf to me. Well, and and I'll say this too as well. Looking at the hole analytics today, 18 was by far the toughest hole. The only other hole that, that yeah. played close to it were uh, 8 and 2 uh, both played equally as difficult. 18 by almost a point, uh, two, .12 strokes higher than another hole. The only three holes that played under par today, Sam, were the two par fives. And number one, how about that? All right, T-Dub, let's get out of here, but let me uh, give some tea times for tomorrow. The big group, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, and Tiger Woods will go off number one tee prime time at 1.36 p.m., uh, so that's a little nice. That you can We can finally sleep in a little bit for one day. Uh, it, well, it, assuming you don't want to go out and watch Taylor Gooch because he is the first time off tomorrow off number one tee he's uh yeah seven o'clock for taylor gooch uh tomorrow um but those are two of the groups that people will care about around here um obviously xander shoffley tony finau and matsuyama are two groups um ahead of tiger and spieth and rory um and then you have terrell hatton and um and Max Homa, and then obviously the Victor Hovland uh, group right in front of Tiger Woods, and then um, we will we will have Colin Morikawa, John Rahm, um, and Scotty Scheffler in the morning tomorrow. Let me find what time that is. T Dub, do you have that pulled up? Uh, let me see, John Rahm. No, I don't have that. I'll, I'll say this while you're looking at. It. I think that. It's like you mentioned earlier, Sam, with the, with that bad group mojo. But I, I think that what happens a lot of times is when you have that happen, 
with a bad group, it's almost like a flip effect for the next round where they're able to, to build off the momentum and have the literally the exact opposite of what they had today. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if that happened. But some of those guys, Sam, I just think may be too far back even after round one to make a move unless, if for any reason, you're going to have to have Rory, Zalatoris, and even likes of uh, Kucher, Abe Anser, uh Tom Hoagie, JT, those guys. Not if, if all those guys don't play that well and the best score gets five under, then yes, they do have a chance. But I expect one of those guys to get to at least seven or eight under um, by the time uh, Saturday morning rolls around, Sam. Yeah, by the way, uh, just Dustin Johnson, Patrick Cantlay, and Justin Thomas go at 7.49 a.m. off number 10 tomorrow. Um I'm still having trouble finding the ROM group on this uh, on these pairings here. Well, it's in the morning. We know that. And they're going to the and they're, they're going to be off of ten because they finished on um, yeah, they finished on eighteen. So we Let know me that. See so. here, uh, John Rom eight eight eleven eight eleven. Colin Moore. So the same time as Tiger Scotty today. Uh, eight eleven off number ten. How about that? All right, T Dub. I say that. We'll do it for day one at the PGA at Southern Hills here in Tulsa. It was a heck of a day. And it's only day one of the tournament, T-Dub. I don't know how these professional players do it every single week. I'm worn out after just the first round of the tournament. <laughs> I, I legit thought when I was walking on the course day, my feet were going to fall off. Like, <laughs> like I say that jokingly, I legit thought it was going to happen. I almost started walking on my hands so I could give them some, a little <laughs> bit of break because I walked that course like four times a day trying to get up and around it. And it's just beautiful to see, but once you get done with everything, especially with 95-degree heat index or whatever, you're like, gosh, dang, dude, get me off this place. Absolutely, but it'll be a heck of a day tomorrow. Go watch Tiger in the heat in the afternoon tomorrow. Get the powder ready. Get the butt paste ready and go out there and follow Tiger Woods, Jordan Spieth, and your leader of the tournament. Did you just call it butt paste? Yeah, there's butt paste. Have you never used it? That was the key. I, to, I used talking that was the key I used to baby powder. Ass. I used baby powder. Is that not the key? I thought that was the key. No, you put the butt paste what is below the, butt? the... What is butt paste? It's butt paste. It's called... <laughs> Like Boudreaux's butt paste. Have you no, never heard of it? No, I haven't. No, you, I, this might be what I've been missing my whole life. It, it's for swamp ass, obviously, <laughs> and anybody who plays golf has had swamp ass before. hundred no, percent. And basically what you do is you wipe this butt paste on you. You leave it on there, but then you put the baby powder <laughs> over it so it's not <laughs> sticky, and it's the greatest thing to walk with when you have, you know, a little bit of uh, jock itch. Dude, this this is next-level stuff right Anyways, here. Anyways, uh, yeah. <laughs> Go out in the heat tomorrow and watch get Tiger Woods, your, Jordan Spieth, and your leader of the tournament, Rory McIlroy. I'm sure Rory has got some butt paste. In I guarantee you Rory uses butt paste. I guarantee you. You ask him. You ask Bro, him. I'm just waiting for the first tour player to be sponsored by it and have it on their shirt, butt paste. wonder what their logo looks like. I'll show you. I'll show you right now while we're live on air before we end this show. Butt paste. I can't believe I've never heard of this before. Is this a common thing? Yes, it's a common thing. Like a widely, like extremely known common? Yes, I guarantee you our listen, listeners will know what butt paste dude, is. I, dude, Swamp Pass is such an epidemic in the sport, and I've never known this. Okay, so it's like a little bit. Of, it's a it's little for baby. babies. Yeah, it's, it's like a, a boy version of Layla with a blanket and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Boudreaux's butt paste. There it is, right there. So where do you get? Where do you buy said Walgreens? Butt paste? Walgreens it's eight, has eight dollars and sixty four cents. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow at Southern Hills. <laughs>
When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today.